The pandemic is not over, as we're hearing from all of our health officials, and we're seeing in the news cycle as well as many states are experiencing a spike in COVID-19. And of course, uh, I know that you'll have uh, questions as well. 312-981-7200 is the number here. Would love to hear from you because Dr. Jonathan Max, internal medicine with Amita Health Medical Group is with us. Hi, Dr. Max. How are you? Hello, GM. Doing well. Thanks. How are you doing? Doing very well. Okay, so I bet this is not making you feel very good, hearing about all these states that are having spikes in COVID-19. Well, it, it is quite scary. And, and uh, you know, states like California, Florida, Texas have, have this this rise in cases. And, and you hear in, in news reports that hospitals are are up to capacity in some in some municipalities, which is very, very scary. And you, G, and your listeners remember several months ago when here in Chicago, daily, twice a day, three times a day, we heard about the surge, the surge, the surge, and and how we were we were monitoring the numbers of ICU beds, the number of of deaths, the number of cases that we're diagnosing, and and we had a McCormick place open as as a backup for for the hospitals. And fortunately, Chicagoland and Illinois did a pretty darn good job of of making a difference and lowering that that surge and preventing uh, a huge rise in cases. But now things are happening in other parts of the country, and it's it's really really scary. Um, you know this whole. Um wearing a mask or not wearing a mask has become so politicized. But in terms of, you know, what we know scientifically as as a health um, expert, as a doctor, what can you tell us about what and how we should be wearing our masks? Well, gee, I'm glad you mentioned the fact that we have to look at science and we have to be objective about these things. Um, fortunately or unfortunately, uh, um, many things do get politicized, you know, and, and we, we hear that about reopening of schools and how we're going to manage that. Um, we heard about it in your, your earlier guest talking about University of Illinois and, you know, how, how, how things are being managed on the university and college, you know, uh, circuits. Um, masks are meant uh, to be worn um, whenever you're out in public, for sure. Um, remember that masks um, were not just protecting yourself, but more than anything else, you're protecting others. We have more and more data, more studies, quality studies are published, identifying the benefits of the COVID precautions, as I call it. So, gee, wearing the masks and covering, covering your nose and your mouth, all the time, you know, um, not wearing a mask to, to cover your chin or, you know, just to cover the nose and keep, and, and keep your mouth exposed, but covering both the nose and the mouth and trying not to touch the mask either because when you touch things, you know, your hands get dirty and then you put things on the mask and masks get contaminated. But wearing those, wearing those masks all the time is as part of a consistent approach um, to prevent the spread of COVID-19 um, will be one of the key features of being successful here in Chicagoland and throughout our nation um, as we continue in this this wave of COVID. In your medical opinion, do you feel as though wearing a mask is a key component of keeping COVID-19 from spreading? 
Absolutely, absolutely. I, I think the the data are there, and 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 one could argue, G, to say that well, you know, you know, prove to me, prove me, prove to me, and and it's hard to prove things a hundred percent of the time. But you know, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, you know, it's it's probably a duck. And and there's a saying in medicine, G, that common things occur commonly. And another saying is that we use science and research to guide how we take care of patients and how we approach um, uh, healthcare issues. And that's exactly what we need to continue doing. Um, I'm really excited and looking forward to the new CDC guidelines um, that will be released soon um, that provide recommendations for school openings, you know, for the fall and the winter months. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think the CDC has done a great job of of giving us guidance now things don't you know re- guidance guidelines recommendations don't fit every single situation all the time mm-hmm. but using those as a benchmark and using those as a launching point um to understand how we can keep each other safe during the fall months during the winter months will be key to our success in terms of, um, as you mentioned, sort of opening back up and, and, and potentially students going back to campuses or um, young kids going back to school, what are some of your concerns and what do you think parents and should keep in mind? I think, I think keep, uh, parents have to really keep in mind that, that we have to plan and that we have to monitor. Um, we all have to be engaged, G, and I think communication is extremely important. And we have to revise our plans as things change. Um, because remember, you know, COVID-19 is a, is a new condition, new illness for everyone in the world, and we just don't know much about it. You know, so we, we have to remember, G, that, that we have to learn from research. We have to learn from, from other experiences. So, you know, uh, to your point of California, uh, Texas, Florida, you know, areas like that, learning of, of what happened there and how we can minimize the spread. Um, and a lot of the basics apply. So much like when we talk about swimming, you know, and, and water safety and talking about the basics, mm-hmm. um, you know, the COVID precautions of hand washing, using using those face, face covers, so the masks, the social distancing, um, avoidance of overcrowding, all those measures um, as we as we move forward with the school year will really, really make a difference. Now, the big question is, how do we do that? Because no one knows. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and gee, that's, I think, where a lot of people get scared. There's a ton of stress and there's going to be more stress. There's going to be more anxiety um, probably more than anything else um, in the next several weeks as schools open. Well, I mean, you mentioned sort of just a little while ago about guidelines and how, you know, you can't just apply them blanketly to everyone, that you kind of have to take your own individual factors, um, assess them as well. But I think with the mask, uh, it seems that because the guidance was so different at the beginning, is that still contributing to the confusion that people might be having? I think so, Gene. And I, I, you're making a great point that that there there are some um, uh, disparate recommendations, and and people will recall. Well, earlier you said this, and now you say that. You tell me to jump, now you tell me to crawl. You tell me to turn left and then turn right, um, and it, it is confusing. And um, part of the part of the discussion that we need to have, whether it's you know for school year and as we go through the school year, or just 
just going to work, you know, on a daily basis, working from home or working mm-hmm. working at an office, we have to remember that things will change and that the only thing that's constant here, G, is that you can guarantee things will change. That's the constant. Change is the norm now. Mm-hmm. And so we have to understand that, that maybe we said that masks were optional at one time, um, but it's not the case now. Okay, and I promise that, Doc, I'll, I'll drop this mask thing, but one of the things that we're seeing a lot is questions related to the, to wearing a mask involve, you know, do I have to have my mask on if I'm outside and I'm not near anyone in particular? And then another question is sort of, should I be wearing my mask? Is it a danger to me if I'm exercising and wearing a mask, as long as, barring any other sort of health issues? Yeah, th- those are also common questions and awesome questions because people want to go outdoors and people want to enjoy themselves and and want to have the option, you know, of, of feeling more, you know, free or unencumbered with a mask. Definitely when you're exercising, G, it's it's better not to wear a mask. And so um, the, the idea here is that, you know, wearing a mask can affect your performance when you exercise and, you know, um, um so, so it's really important when you are exercising outdoors that you maintain that social distancing, that when you're reaching for your water bottle um, or your, your drink or your snack, your power snack, things of that sort, that you're not touching things that touch your mouth or touch your nose um, to minimize the risk of, of transmitting uh, the COVID-19 virus to yourself or to others. Mm-hmm. Um, so maintaining those other precautions are going to be as important, if not more important, if you're not wearing that mask in, in those settings. But as soon as you finish exercising, like let's say you're running along the lakefront and you know you take a break at, let's say, Irving Park, um, uh, you know, put your mask back on when you take a break, okay. you know, and, and social distance at that point. So if, um, let's say you're, you're running at high speed or someone's running at high speed by you and they're whizzing by you, there's no real chance that they're going to be, uh, you'll get contaminated because they don't have a mask on as they're running by you. A, 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 an extremely small chance. And the, the, the chance is negligible there. I mean, uh, unless if, uh, you know, that person you know, is a little clumsy and bumps into you <laughs> and, you know, somehow your, your lips lock and, you know, or there's <laughs> a bunch of spittle or something bizarre, you know, some sort of Seinfeld episode, right. <laughs> um, you know, sure, perhaps, okay. but, right. But not likely. And and that that type of idea that, that, you know, not wearing a mask in that situation is safe comes from uh, expert recommendations when we talk about um, keeping windows open and doors open when you're indoors to help circulation of air. Um, and part of that, you know, comes also uh, expert opinion from almost 240 scientists um, in this article published in Clinical Infectious Diseases uh, yesterday that you might have heard about also in the news, um, uh, this big group of scientists wrote a commentary um, mm-hmm. published in a respective journal, respected journal mm-hmm. um, asking the World Health Organization to include um, uh, safeguards for, for when people are indoors and to think about how COVID-19 could potentially spread um, in tiny little droplets. Oh, yes. And little, little measures like keeping windows open um, and keeping the doors open, uh, let's say, you know, if you're in an office or a classroom mm-hmm. or things of that sort, can make a huge difference in dissipating the virus and, and dramatically decreasing the chances of spreading COVID-19. 
Well, a lot more coming up with Dr. Jonathan Max, internal medicine with the Meta Health Medical Group coming up. Continuing our conversation with Dr. Jonathan Max, internal medicine with Amita Health Medical Group. And Dr. Max was just telling us about this new study. Um, it's where scientists think that COVID-19 may even be spread through particles in the air, like essentially airborne. Right, Dr. Max? Yeah, that's, that's right. Um, uh, the, the concept is is not a new concept um, in, in science and research, but... But uh, it's a new thought process with COVID-19. Um, we used to think about what, what, what we call larger particles. You know, like you think about someone sneezing or coughing and those types of particles spreading COVID-19. We, we know that, that conversations, that loud talking, um, um, everyday conversations can spread COVID-19 um, without, without uh, you really knowing. Mm-hmm. And so... The, the hope here is that if we can mitigate, if we can decrease the chances of COVID-19 spreading around an environment, especially as we move into fall and winter months, mm-hmm. um, you know, the better. Um, and so this, this group of scientists, an international group of scientists, got together and wrote this open letter to the World Health Organization. And it's only a three-page letter, um, but made the case um, that that we we have to acknowledge the fact that COVID can be transmitted um, in droplets more than we think, mm-hmm. um, and that we have to um, minimize um, poorly ventilated environments, so improve those things, mm-hmm. um, avoid crowded spaces, and avoid close contacts. What what the article the the commentary um, described is the three C's. You know, closed environments, crowded spaces, and close c- close contacts. Okay. So those are, to me, those are three other facets of what we all can do to stay healthy together. Okay, um, Doctor Max, that that speaks to exactly what uh, you were talking about earlier, in the sense that things are consistently changing. That's right. That's right. And and we we have to we have to attack. We have to change. Um, you know. It, Sometimes we have to take a step backwards, you know, much like we're seeing in, in some some states of, you know, um, backing down on their their phased reentry and reemergence, you know, strategies um, and even, you know, deciding on quarantines. Um, that's that's it's tough love, but it's something we we might have to do at some point. Dr. Max, wanted to ask you about um, vaccines. I know that there's been a lot of reports and a lot of money that's being invested right now. And um, there's one vaccine that's currently in stage three, phase three trial, I believe. Um, what, how are you feeling? Are you seeing, are you thinking that this is going to be speedier than initially, um, I guess, people thought it would be? There, gee, there's there's about 150 vaccines, 150 different vaccines in development right now because okay. there, there's a huge race. You know, working at I think someone someone said warp speed. You know, mm-hmm. to to get this to market. Um, typically, vaccines or medicines go through you know different phases of development to to make sure it's it's safe and um, before anything else, and then to test it on people. Um, who have an illness, you know, so small co- cohort of people who are volunteers, 
and see if, if things are better. If there is a known treatment for an illness, a, a, uh, an investigational drug or vaccine is tested against known um, uh, medicines or, or other vaccines, uh, but we don't have any of that right now, obviously, for COVID-19. And then goes through goes into those phase three trials, like you're describing for a couple of vaccines right now. And those phase three trials are the closest thing to getting a vaccine on market. Um, um, it's very, very exciting. Um, there's a lot of high technology going into this G, um, and many of your listeners um, probably heard different facets of this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's five ways in which vaccines are being developed right now. I hope that one or two or three or four will, will be beneficial. Um, many experts think that, that we'll have two or three different types of vaccines um, mm-hmm. um, that will provide some benefits for us. But there's going to be a few challenges, though. Once we find something that's safe to use, G, okay. um, we'll have to manufacture it. We'll have to produce it. We'll oh, have to yeah. bring it. You know, all the operational stuff right. that we don't think of when we're developing you know, developing a vaccine. Um, and there's 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 a huge amount of effort actually going into that aspect too to bring these to market faster. In which many of these companies are already producing the vaccine. Mm-hmm before they've proven that it works, you know. And the, the, the hope there is that if they, if they strike gold, they've got the vaccine in a volume that, and they can, up, they can get up and run quickly. But if the vaccine doesn't work, um, you know, they lost out. But, you know, there, there's great benefit but great risk. Yeah, Dr. Max, going along uh, just sort of your, your, the line of your thinking there, which is, you know, hadn't even thought of this before, but... W- I guess the volume is needed because once there is a vaccine, it's like who gets the vaccine first, right? Isn't that going to be a whole nother issue? That'll be another controversy. Um, (laughs) Some some public health officials um, recommend uh, have recommended already prioritizing the vaccine for you know those high risk folks, and and you'll recall again, you know, this past you know springtime here in Chicago. you know, news report after news report um, about, you know, the the disparity, you know, in different neighborhoods and, you know, racial backgrounds and all those things. And some public health officials are, are um, pushing to have the vaccines, you know, to brought to those higher risk populations, the people who are diabetic, people, you know, mm-hmm. the elderly, people with chronic health issues um, and prioritizing those folks first. Okay. I don't know how that's going to be done, you know, from a practical standpoint. Mm-hmm. It's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it'd be wonderful if we have enough vaccines for everyone. But, um, again, um, not everyone believes in vaccines, you right. know, um, and, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Well, you know, we're, we're you know, thinking about when there is a vaccine and who'll get it first. But there's still a lot of people out there that are having difficulty even getting the testing done or getting a COVID test. And it, it seems as though from reports, there's there's new um, people are trying to develop more reliable COVID-19 tests. And um, so are some more reliable than others? And and. You know, why is it that some take they're rapid, but some take a lot longer? Is it afford, is it an affordability issue? The, the, the affordability is always an issue there. But I, I, I think 
at this point in time, that that's gone by the wayside. And okay. with 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 testing, we're just focusing on on access, as you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and part of access in, involves just being able to um, uh, go to the individual. If the individual can't go to the testing center, you know, the state of Illinois has started up these mobile testing sites, which is a great concept mm-hmm. to to bring you know testing to different locations and to bring bring testing to neighborhoods. Um, but aside from the access issue, gee. There's the concept of of how reliable a test is, um, and and whether or not it actually tells you what it, what you want it to tell you. One of the challenges with COVID nineteen is that there's a variety of COVID um, like viruses. So we're, you know those coronaviruses. Mm-hmm. You hear about it's called a coronavirus, and many of the common colds that we all enjoy, um, you know, are coronaviruses. And um, many of these tests have to prove. And, and have not proven um, yet that they actually test for COVID-19 and not for one of those other types of coronaviruses. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's, that's the rub, really. Yeah. Um, so, Dr. Max, I've got a few minutes left, and I just wanted to sort of ask you um, in terms of, I know that you and your wife are both foodies. Um, do you feel comfortable going out and eating at restaurants right now? I do. I, I, I'm, I'm so excited to go out to eat again. <laughs> if you can find the time, right? <laughs> I, I, if I can, well, I'll, I'll tell you this. In full disclosure, over the 4th of July weekend, you know, my wife and I and our four kids spent a lot of time cooking, um, you know, and, and just enjoying each other's company and trying new recipes. And, um, you know, um, for example, we made chocolate-covered strawberries, you know, mm-hmm. which are always nice. Um, we made some pulled pork, uh, made some uh, butter chicken, you know, nice. in, the, in the Instant Pot, things of that sort. Um, but, um, you know, you get tired of, of, of cooking at home sometimes. And, and the whole experience of heading to restaurants is, is a lot of fun. Um, I think, you know, the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois are, are, are being very cautious in terms of allowing us to go to restaurants. And I think it's okay um, as long as people um, – uh, you know, use those COVID precautions. Um, again, the 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 um, protection only is is as good as those who you know follow the follow the rules, so to speak. And if you head to a restaurant and there are a bunch of people near you who aren't um, mm-hmm. uh, social distancing and aren't you know washing their hands and things of that sort, mm-hmm. that would be a problem. Okay. But um, I think it's in the best interest of most restaurants to make sure that that their guests and their staff are are using those right precautions. So I think it's safe. Okay. I really do. Now, would you or would you or would you allow your uh, family member or loved one to get into a uh, rideshare car? Are you are you okay with that? Um, part, part of the, part of the risk of, of, of contracting COVID-19 is, it, is the amount of time that you spend, um, in that closed setting. So, you know, whether it's, it's in an elevator or, or in a ride share, things of that sort, mm-hmm. I think, um, it could be safe if you're taking precautions, um, you know, definitely wearing a mask, okay. um, thinking about wearing disposable gloves. Um, opening the window, 
Okay, we talked mm-hmm. earlier about about um, airflow. You know, um, keep yeah the airflow, and mm-hmm. so maintaining those things, and taking the the shortest distance from point A to point B, and um, you know, the longer you're in that car, the the greater the chances of of you know contracting something, um, and then trying to get reassurances from the the driver that the car is the at least the back seat and and the doors and, and handles and such are are sanitized in a proper manner um, between uh, you know you know after and before each um, client. I think it's going to be really really important. Well, Dr. Max, I cannot thank you enough for your wealth of information, the way that you just explain it to us in a way that we can understand, and for all the facts that you bring us and the advice. Thank you so much for being with us. Really well, appreciate it. Well, it's, it's, it's definitely an honor, G, to, to um, collaborate with you and, um, and Jasmine. Um, you know, I, I do hope, again, putting a plug-in as, as, as someone who enjoys food, you know, eating at neighborhood places, eating outside while mm-hmm. we can, for sure. Um, and helping support our, our local establishments is, is definitely the way to go, especially in the great city of Chicago. Well, thank you so much. Dr. Jonathan Max, Internal Medicine, Amita Health Medical Group.